Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to Life with GDPR, a podcast where I work in conjunction with Jonathan Armstrong, partner at Quartery Compliance in London, and a well-known data privacy, data protection expert. However, first, as you know, the Compliance Podcast Network is always expanding, and I'm looking for new podcasts. Have you wanted to do a podcast but didn't know how? Take a listen to our sponsor this week, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this episode, Jonathan and I take up a recently released enforcement action from the ICO in England involving a governmental unit, the borough of Newham. Uh, This borough released certain confidential information about uh, gang members, and uh, unfortunately it led to the murder of one. The borough made about every mistake possible, so uh, the information in there really details what you shouldn't do. It's a fascinating case for the data privacy, data protection experts. It's a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, uh, who, together with Jonathan Armstrong, partner at Quartery Compliance in London, are back for another episode uh, with you. Jonathan, um, rarely do we, first of all, uh, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me. Thank you, Tom. Good to be here. So, Jonathan, rarely do we see data breaches um, outside of perhaps national security become uh, either have deadly consequences or really are situations of life or death, but you sent me a a new client alert around uh, the London Borough. 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 Okay, Borough. And uh, so I was wondering if we could uh, talk about this uh, and the fine leveled by the ICO. Yeah, happy to. So a London Borough is obviously a local council, a local public authority. And in this case, the London Borough involved was Newham. And they were fined £145,000 for a data breach. Now, the data breach had a relatively small number of victims, uh, just over 200. But um, I I think the case is significant because, as you said, it is possibly a a matter of life and death, this data breach. So uh, what went on? Well, first thing to say, it's a pre-GDPR case. It's one of those older ones where the investigation has taken some time. I recently saw some statistics that says that the average data breach investigation that leads to enforcement action is about 500 days. So that explains in part why we're not seeing GDPR cases yet, because GDPR has only been in for, I guess, about 320 days uh, at the moment. So this case involved something called the gangs matrix. And the gangs matrix was maintained by the Metropolitan Police. And what they were trying to do was keep details of known gang members, their gang affiliations, and things like whether they were carrying knives or not. It was in part to help police officers who might see these individuals in their day-to-day activities. But the Met, um, we call the Metropolitan Police the Met colloquially, the Met um, 
shared this with other organisations with the aim of generally trying to get a handle on gang crime. And Newham was one of those authorities that the Met shared data with, and the Met produced two copies of the matrix, a redacted version which removed some personal details on individuals and an unredacted version, so the full nine yards version, if you like. And the idea was that uh, where you needed to share data, usually you'd share the redacted version, not the unredacted. And in January 2017, the Met sent out the redacted and unredacted uh, updated versions of the matrix, and it had 203 people involved. About 80 of those had a zero rating, and that meant that they were no longer the member of a gang, or they had no further involvement with gang crime, or simply that they themselves had been the victims of gang crime. Now, fast forward to March 2017, when a gang member told their probation officer, a probation officer, somebody who was assigned to an individual who's going through the court system, this gang member told uh, the probation officer that they had a Snapchat photograph of the gang's matrix. And then in September 2017, somebody associated with a rival gang also told their probation officer that they had photographs of the matrix. And from those photographs, the Met were able to establish that it was the January 2017 version of the matrix. Now, why did this matter? It mattered because there had been a gangland killing, if you like, in September 2017, just before the second showing of the photographs of the Matrix. And what happened then is that a gang member had been shot and killed and a local safeguarding board concluded in its review of the case that uh, that person had been one of those whose details had been exposed by the gang's matrix. Now, the information commissioner said, and we're not exactly clear why, that she didn't draw a connection between the data breach and the murder, but she said that this was relevant to the nature and extent of the harm, because obviously, if you had an address, a home address of a gang member on the matrix, and that was exposed to a rival gang, then the person who lived at that home address and all their family and friends were vulnerable to the type of hit uh, that had taken place in September 2017. And in that, in that context, you might think that the fine against, the, uh, against Newham was pretty low. It's only 145,000 sterling. The maximum fine under the old law was uh, 500,000 sterling. Of course, under GDPR, the fines are significantly higher. Now, it's not exactly clear why the fine is on the low side, but it could be the case that the ICO has taken the view that because local ratepayers would effectively have to pay the fine, she'd just be adding to the misery of the victims and those nearby, because obviously that fine would come back to the very community that had suffered um, and there's a few lessons to be learned uh, from this, Tom. Maybe I've got eight. Uh, first of all, data breaches require robust investigation. 
we often see organizations almost try to sweep data breaches under the carpet or have just the most cursory inquiry into what went wrong. You'll need a full investigation uh, in, in cases like this. Secondly, and probably two follows one, because their investigation wasn't thorough, knew and were inconsistent in their responses to the ICO. The uh, quality of the messaging to the ICO was not good, with typos, a lack of care, poor language. Um, one employee gave two contradictory versions of events to the ICO, and Newham tried to explain that away by saying our wording was somewhat ambiguous. The ICO said the wording wasn't ambiguous at all. It was inaccurate and incomplete. And so she's given a clear warning here. Investigations must be thorough. They must be robust. And also, impliedly, you know, don't mess around with regulators. We've said that before, I think, Tom, when we discussed the Cambridge Analytica case. But regulators deserve respect. You might not agree with them. You might want to appeal their findings, but you need to show them respect. Thirdly, uh, uh, Newham didn't have a written policy or guidance concerning the sharing of the matrix databases. Again, training, 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 very important. Proper policies and procedures are needed. Fourthly, Newham couldn't seem to be clear as to who is a data controller and who's a data processor. Again, an involved topic that we've talked about before on Life with GDPR. We talked about the Jehovah's Witnesses case, for example, which gives a little bit of clarity. But whether they were dealing with data controllers or data processors, then they should have had written agreements in place with the people they were sending the matrix to. Next, uh, they didn't have any encryption. Again, the ICO wants them to uh, consider that. And as an aside, I'd mention that there's very detailed guidance now from regulators over here on what encryption means. You can't just buy, you know, a box that says encryption on it. There's a certain standard that encryption has to meet. Uh, number six, um, the Newham tried to argue that their fines should be reduced because of some of the steps they'd taken. And again, the ICO wasn't impressed. She said, you know, just making yourself legally compliant isn't taking steps. Uh, it's your legal obligation, and you don't get any discount for that. Uh, seventhly, she said that um, Newham didn't move quickly enough. Now, on the uh, outline I've just discussed in terms of uh, the timeline, then obviously Newham ought to have known that they had an issue at the very latest in May 2017 when the probation the, the probation officer found out about the photograph. Um, they clearly sat on it. Who knows whether the person in September 2017's life could have been saved uh, if, the, uh, if Newham had have acted more promptly in January when the leak took place or May when they knew or ought to have known about it. But the ICO is clearly not going to be satisfied with delays of that sort. Obviously, under GDPR, there is a 72-hour expectation. And interestingly, Newham seemed to be saying, well, we didn't tell you, ICO, because we thought the Met were telling you. And the ICO said, quite rightly, that's completely irrelevant. If you're a data controller, you have to tell us if there's a breach. 
if other people tell us as well, well, that's okay. But you have to make sure that you tell us. And then lastly, Newham had not done what's called a data protection impact assessment. Again, we've talked about this before, Tom, but whenever you're doing data handling with this level of sensitivity, then you're going to have to do a DPIA. That's going to have to do a proper risk assessment. And clearly, in this case, that was another uh, thing that was lacking in, um, in, in Newham's uh, case. So I think it's an interesting case. And as you say, it does show the consequences of a data breach. And it does show that companies have to invest proper time in procedures, training, policies, and technology to make sure things like this don't happen. Jonathan, I guess probably the overarching uh, thing that struck me in reading this um, regulatory matter or enforcement action was that it almost was a textbook case of what not to do. Um, failures both in terms of data security, uh, but also failures in terms of what happened after the data breach and after the notice was given to the entity here, the borough of uh, mm -hmm. Newham. Uh, and I don't know if, if simply because it was a governmental entity, um, a municipal entity, uh, is the reason that it was set out so starkly, but it really, I think, provides every a data privacy, data protection officer, and com frankly, compliance practitioner with a clear-cut series of things both to do and not to do as a lesson learned going forward. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the monetary penalty notice here is 22 pages long. I don't think that's, uh, you know, significant. It's, it's, I think it's not much longer and not much shorter than the average. But what is perhaps significant is there's almost an underlining, um, underlining turn of sorrow throughout the monetary penalty notice. And, uh, you, you know, as you say, it's hard to see what Newham got right. Mostly in cases of this sort, you know, you'll see some sort of redemption. You know, they train people, but not enough. But here, as I say, they don't, um, prevent the incident happening. They don't report it in time. And when the ICO starts the investigation, they're not full and frank with her. So it is hard to see what they've done right. And in that context, obviously, if, there were, if this were a commercial organization and if this were post-GDPR, we'd be expecting almost lottery number fines, I think. Uh, I have to agree with that. I also have to agree with your assessment for the reason of the quantum uh, listed in this fine as well. But it really was, a, um, I don't want to say fascinating because of the consequences of the event, uh, of the data breach, but certainly uh, a very instructive, I think, for every uh, compliance practitioner and uh, hopefully municipal municipalities or other go governmental entities that will be sharing sensitive data uh, that don't typically think of uh, kind of the deadly consequences of a data breach uh, would uh, consider uh, very strongly putting in protections in place so that uh, events like uh, the consequence of this data breach do not happen again. 
Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. Well, Jonathan, this has been a fascinating exploration of a very different type of case, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. My pleasure. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. If you have any questions on phishing, you can email Jonathan at jonathan.armstrong at corderycompliance.com. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you'll join Jonathan and I again for another episode of Life with GDPR. Life with GDPR is a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.